I am beginning a brief series today on the theme of tremendous truths. Tremendous truths impacting us from Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem to his triumphant resurrection. And we are going to learn from the scriptures as to what happened in those days just before Jesus' crucifixion and then resurrection. And we're going to look at some of the passages of scripture from when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, went into Jerusalem on the Sunday before the Friday that we refer to as Good Friday. And I realize that uh, having the, the theme and the title, as I just stated it, if we could just have it on the screen, please, it's kind of long, kind of long. And so maybe I, I thought, well, perhaps I could just call this series the T-squared impact series. You know, the T-squared the or the T, T2 Something like that, eh? I've noticed recently in grocery stores, for many years we used to call craft dinner, craft dinner, craft dinner, right? Now I notice they're marketing it as KD, just KD, which I, I don't like. I told my wife recently, I said, honey, I, I don't like seeing this KD, you know, that's craft dinner, not KD. Anyway, that's another story. All right. Now, today, today, I want us to read from Matthew 21, beginning at verse 1, where we have the record of Jesus' triumphal entry. Now, normally we read this passage on Palm Sunday. Today is not Palm Sunday, but, but it is from this point in time that we want to examine the Scriptures the events that happened leading up to the Good Friday and the Sunday Resurrection Day. All right. We read Matthew 21. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there and its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heavens. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 12. 
Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, You have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany, where he stayed overnight. My friends, as you and I think of Jesus going into Jerusalem on this very special Sunday, and then as we see that he went into the holy temple and did what he did, he cleansed the temple, as some of your Bibles put it, we begin to see some tremendous truths that I believe can and should really impact your life and mine. Truths that can really make a difference right where you live and where I live. And one of the first truths that really hit me as I reflected upon the scripture that we just read, one of the first truths is this. Number one, be courageous. Be courageous. The act of Jesus going into Jerusalem in a very public way at this point in his life And then seeing Jesus knocking over the tables of the money changers and clearing and driving out people who were buying and selling animals for sacrifice were all examples of Jesus showing a lot of courage. There's a lot of courage here. At this point in time, Jesus entered Jerusalem knowing full well that he was entering a hostile city, a city that was hostile towards him, especially in terms of the leadership. He knew that the authorities hated him and that they had sworn to eliminate him. Now, you you do not see the word courage, but Jesus' actions actually shout courageous. They really do when you stop and think about it. The time came for Jesus to show extreme courage. There are times in your life and mine when Jesus' courage can inspire us, in some cases, to take a, a, a small step of courage. In other cases, a, a medium step of courage. Or perhaps on occasion, an extreme leap of courage in your life in some capacity. It applies to us in different ways. Sometimes you and I, for instance, have to take a step of courage to help ourselves spiritually. Here's a little example. I remember when I was a teenager and I became a sincere Christian at the Kennedy Road 
Church of the Nazarene. I thank the Lord for the Kennedy Road Church that was such a blessing and a help to me in my spiritual journey and to many others across the years. Well, I remember when I became a Christian at the Kennedy Road Nazarene Church. That year when when school finished for the year, I remember I got a summer job at a large grocery store called Knob Hill Farms, working, working 70 to 80 hours a week. Unfortunately, I was also working on Sundays from around 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the store, which meant that I could not go to Sunday school and church services for several weeks. On the Sundays when I couldn't go to church, I remember going home late at night in the evening from my grocery store job. I remember going home, reading my Bible, and and feeling very bad, feeling very bad that, that I missed Sunday school, that I missed church that day. I was, I was very happy, I was very happy earning, get this, I was very happy earning a dollar fifty an hour. How many of you would be very happy earning a dollar fifty an hour today? I'm sure not many. But back then, some of you probably were earning something similar, especially if you were a student like me. So I was very happy earning a whole dollar fifty an hour. And I, and I think uh, after 40 or 44 hours in the week, I was paid time and a half. And that, that, that meant big bucks. You know, that meant big bucks, Cal, right? That would have been big bucks, like time and a half, two twenty-five an hour for the hours after 44 hours, something like that, okay? Now, on the Sundays, on the Sundays when I missed church, however, I remember going home, going home, probably got home 10.30 or 11 at night, thinking, you know, I have to tell. I have to tell my manager that I can no longer work on Sundays because I need to go to Sunday school and I need to go to the church services. And I knew that I needed to stop working on Sundays, but I was afraid that if I told my manager, he would say, Nick, next Sunday is our busiest day, you know that. Nick, I've got 50 or 60 other young people with applications eager to get a job here, and you don't want to work on Sundays? Well, eventually, however, I got up the courage. I got up the courage to go to my manager, and I said, Sir... Sir, I am not, I'm very grateful for my summer job here. But sir, I just can't continue to work on Sundays because I need to go to Sunday school and church at, at the Kennedy Road Church of the Nazarene. And I said, could I please, could I please work whatever hours you want, whatever hours you want, whatever days you want me to work from Monday to Saturday. But please, could I not work on Sunday? Well, I I was expecting to lose my job, to be honest with you. I was expecting to lose the job. To my big surprise, the manager said, Nick, you are a very hard worker. Take Sundays off, and I'll just schedule you from Monday to Saturday. Now, for me at that time, 
telling my boss that I couldn't work on Sundays took a lot of courage. But I needed to do it to help me get back, get back regularly to church every Sunday to enable me to grow spiritually, to learn from my Sunday school teacher, to learn from my pastor's messages, to worship the Lord and sing the beautiful hymns and choruses and be spiritually enriched by the music. Now, I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting that everyone has to do what I did because obviously I know that there are some jobs which have to be done on Sundays, such as in hospitals and senior homes, seniors' homes and fire departments and public services, police services, ambulance, and other necessary services. I, I realize that. What I want to ask you is this. What I want to ask you is, is there... Is there a step of courage which you should take that might help you in your spiritual journey? Hmm? Your courageous step might be totally different from mine, but it could help you. When Jesus cleared the temple of all the selling, buying, and money changers, he showed a lot of courage. In what aspect? In what aspect of of your life are you needing to show courage these days? Church family here in the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene Sanctuary. In what aspect of your life do you perhaps need to show some courage these days. Radio listeners, radio listeners, what aspect of your life do you need to show courage? Perhaps for some of you, you need to be courageous and and not give in to peer pressure. Or possibly you, you need to stand up it might be that you need to stand up for someone who's being bullied, bullied or or lied about at, at school, at work. Or even in your family. Sometimes when I hear these terrible stories on the news about a young lady or a young man or whoever it is that that has been bullied, either through cyberbullying or other means, I I say to myself, was there no one, were there there no people that could help and stand up for this dear person? Where was everybody? Do you know what I mean? Someone else needs to be courageous and and to say, no, no, I will not. I will not have sex until I am married. Takes courage. Someone else perhaps is thinking about enrolling in a course or a degree program at a college or university. You're thinking about it, but you, you are afraid. Be courageous. Be courageous. This week, this week I, I crossed paths with a young man named Dwayne and his wife. Dwayne is the son of a couple in our church here. In fact, I had the privilege of performing his wedding quite a few years ago. He was a child and a teenager uh, in our church years back. He and his wife and children currently attend our new Ajax 
Ajax Connect Church of the Nazarene that we started in September. But anyway, Dwayne has been a, a teacher in a public school for the last, uh, I believe, uh, 10 or 11 years or so. And he enjoys being a teacher just in talking with him. I sense that he really finds it fulfilling and is a blessing. He has a beautiful attitude, a beautiful spirit. But um, when I talked with Dwayne, I, 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 remembered, I remembered the years... When, when he was going to university and, and then going to teacher's college. And at the same time, same, same time he was supporting his wife and supporting his children. He was working really, really hard. And uh, Dwayne calls them, he calls them the, the zombie years. He calls them the zombie years because he got so little sleep trying to be a husband, a father, going to school and working to support his family. I said, I said to him, Dwayne, Dwayne, I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm, I'm proud of you. He gave me a big hug. He gave me a big hug and a smile. And he reflected upon the courage that it took for him to eventually become a teacher. There are others, there are others of you here in the sanctuary. There are others of you like Dwayne who have courageously overcome many obstacles to achieve your goals, to achieve your dreams. And to the many, to the many Dwaynes and Davids and Donnas and Donettes, I celebrate your courage. And may your courage inspire someone else to be courageous. Amen? There are others of you whose courage we want to celebrate as well. Some of you have gone through an unfortunate, unfortunate, sad, major relationship breakup. It has been an agonizing experience, whether it happened years ago or recently. It's been an agonizing time for you, but, but you have made the decision. You made the decision or you will, make, <clears throat> you will make the decision to not let the past bury you. Instead, you are choosing, you are choosing to bury the past and to move forward in a beautiful future. Amen. And congratulations to you. Others of you are showing incredible courage as you battle cancer, heart attacks, circulatory problems, arthritis, excruciating back pain, and many other illnesses. Every Sunday, sunshine, rain, or snow... There, there are some dear people here in our congregation that I, that I see come, come into the sanctuary with, with walkers or, or a wheelchair. And knowing a little bit about their struggles, pain, and perseverance, I say to myself, I say to myself, there is a person of courage. There she is. There he is. For instance, I see my dear sister here come into the sanctuary Sunday by Sunday. Sunday by Sunday. And I know many of the challenges that she faces, that she faces with her health. And I say, Lord, I thank you for the courage, for the courage that my dear sister is showing. Thank you. 
for your courage, my dear. Yes, yes. And there are many others like you seated amongst us here. Praise God for your courage. Amen. Amen. Then there are then there are the many of you who are courageously dealing with your grief following the death of a dear family member or friend. And there are many amongst us. May the Lord continue to be your comforter and your encourager. And may, may you courageously move forward. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, Be strong and courageous. Read it with me from the big screen, would you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. One other thought about courage before we move on. It takes courage. It takes courage to wholeheartedly dedicate your life to Jesus Christ. Would you today commit your heart, commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? There are many things that people commit themselves to which are good. Many folks commit themselves to, to the gym for physical activity, to diets, which can be good and helpful. Many people commit themselves to studies and all kinds of other very good things. But my friends, but my friends, we must courageously make our choice and make our decision to say, dear God, forgive me of my sins. I thank you for the fact that I can be forgiven because Jesus, your son, died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And dear Lord, on this day, I courageously dedicate or commit my heart and my life, my all to you. And I decide to follow Jesus. I decide, Lord, to follow you with my whole mind, heart, soul, spirit. Some of you today need to make that kind of a decision to decide to dedicate your life to Jesus Christ. Radio listeners, some of you have been listening to this broadcast as I, as I go to funeral visitations and, and different places across the city. Surprisingly, people will come to me and, and say, Pastor Nick, you're, 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 you're that voice on the radio that I'll listen to on Sunday mornings at 1030. And I say, well, yes, we do have a radio broadcast and And I just want to say to our radio listeners, please, if you haven't as yet put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you need to repent and believe in Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, my friends, we learn from Jesus as he headed into Jerusalem and then as he cleansed the temple to be courageous. There's a second truth that we need to allow God to impact us with, and it is this. The second truth that I really discover from what Jesus did in the temple, in verse 12 especially, is this. I summarize it on the big screen. Speak the words with me. Read it out loud. 
Treat people honestly and fairly. Do not take advantage of people. Do not rip off people. This is, this is what Jesus communicates to us in verse 12. And I'm just going to take a few moments to, to explain how this comes about, to, to help us see what really is happening in verse 12. Look at verse 12 again. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Now, at first, at first, when you read this, you, you might think, you might think that Jesus got angry because they were selling and buying animals for sacrifice in the temple, and because there were money changers there. But that's not the real reason he did what he did. Here is the fuller picture, the broader picture, to help you understand why Jesus did what he did. Oh, by the way, before I continue, do, do our guests, do our guests uh, from, from Brazil, do you speak English or you only speak Portuguese? Because I'm just wondering if I need to speak Portuguese to translate for you today. Uh, uh, you're okay? All right. Well, actually, I don't know Portuguese, but, I, <laughs> but I, speak, I speak Greek and Macedonian. So if I speak Greek or Macedonian... The only people that will know that I'm not speaking Portuguese is the two of them. <laughs> but I wouldn't do that. No, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> All right. Now, I, I want to I help us better understand why Jesus did what he did. Because you could, you could look at, at that and say, man, boy, why, why was he being so mean and miserable that day? All right. Here, here's what happened. Okay. In the first century, the temple in Jerusalem was the main place of worship for Jews from all over the area, for many other countries as well. And the temple contained, the temple contained the holy place and the holy of holies, into which only the high priest might enter on the great day of atonement. The, the holy place and the holy of holies were surrounded by large courtyards. First, there was the court of the Gentiles, all right, into which anyone could go. Even if you weren't a, a Jew, you, you could go there. And by the way, a lot of, a lot of people did go because, because the temple was a magnificent building and, and it was almost like a tourist attraction. People from all over the Mediterranean would, would one day hope to go see and visit the temple in Jerusalem. All right? Now, by the way, if a non-Jew, if a non-Jew person that is a Gentile went any further than the court of the Gentiles, it could possibly mean death. In that day and age. Then there came the, the court of the women. There's the court of the women into which any Israelite might come. Next, there was the court of the Israelites. It was in this court that the people assembled for the temple services. That's where they basically had their, their worship times. And lastly, there, there came the court of the priests into which the priests could enter. In this court, there was a lot of, uh, 
There was a lot of religious furniture and symbols such as the altar of the burnt offering, the altar of the incense, the seven-branch lampstand, the table of the showbread, and the great bronze bowl of ablutions. And then at the back of it, there stood the holy place and the holy of holies. All right. Most likely, the scene that is described in Matthew 21, verse 12, where Jesus clears the temple, most likely this scene took place in the court of the Gentiles. The second point on the screen there. And it was, it was pretty normal... It was pretty normal to have money changers in the court of the Gentiles. It was kind of common. Every Jew, every Jew had to pay a temple tax near the Passover time. A month before Passover, booths were set up in all the towns and villages, and the temple tax could be paid there, but after a certain date... It could be paid only in the temple itself. And it would be there that the vast majority of pilgrim Jews from other lands paid it. This tax had to be paid in certain currency. For example, for example, if, if you went to pay your income tax, I'm talking about if you went to pay your income tax to our government, or if you went to pay your property tax, your house or condo tax, for instance, if you went to pay it with, let's say, Jamaican money, or if you went to pay it with Guyanese money, right? <laughs> Some of you have tried it, have you? <laughs> okay. The, the government's office, the government's office would say to you, please, go get your money changed and pay in Canadian dollars. Or if you really want to, U.S. dollars. <laughs> Just kidding. Right? Now, the function, the function of the money changers was to change unsuitable currency into the correct currency. This way, visiting people from all kinds of nations, and there were many, visiting people, especially during the Passover time, they could pay their temple tax. Now, it was understood that the money changers would charge a small fee for their services. A small fee. Just like your credit card charges a small fee. If you don't pay. <laughs> Just, no, kidding there. All right? Now, there were, there were, some, there were some money changers that were no doubt very reasonable and fair in what they charged for their money-changing services. There, there were some that were, were reasonable. Unfortunately, there were a lot of money-changers who severely overcharged people. Dr. William Barclay says, The system lent itself to the exploitation of the pilgrims who had come to worship, and there is no doubt that the temple money-changers made large profits out of it. Now, Jesus knew that many of the money changers were not treating people honestly and fairly. Jesus knew that. And they were taking advantage of people, many of whom were already poor. Most of these people who went to the temple were, were, were poor. And, and so a lot of these money changers were, were ripping people off 
And that, that is one of the reasons why Jesus was so angry and why he did what he did in verse 12. Okay. Are you following, following me now? Are you with me? Okay. At least Pastor Lisa is. Okay. Why, why was Jesus so upset with the people who were buying and selling animals for sacrifice, including those who were selling doves? Why was he so bugged about that? Here's why. When people visited the temple, some kind of an animal sacrifice usually needed to be uh, given as an offering. Doves, for example, were necessary to be sacrificed when a woman came for purification after childbirth or when a leper came to have a cure attested to and certified. People, people could easily buy animals for sacrifices outside the temple. All right? You get this now? People could easily buy the animals that needed to be sacrificed. They could buy them outside the temple but any animal offered in sacrifice had to be what? Had to be without blemish. In the court of the Gentiles, there were official inspectors of the animals, and almost always the inspectors rejected an animal that was bought outside the temple. And the inspectors directed the worshiper to buy their animal sacrifice from the temple, temple stalls and booths. You got that? So many times the inspectors would say, oh, you, 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 bought, you bought this animal outside the temple? Oh, let me look at it. Let me look at it. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. There's something wrong with it. It's not, it's not pure enough. It's, not, it's got a blemish. It's got a blemish. Not acceptable. Sorry, buddy, you got to buy your animal from inside the temple. You got to go see, you got to go see my friend uh, John there and Buddy and so on. Okay? Now, it would, you know, when, when people were told to buy their animals from inside the temple, that would not have been such a big problem. If the prices for the animals to be sacrificed had been the same inside the temple as they were outside. However, inside the temple, for example, a pair of doves, a pair, you know what doves are? Those beautiful birds? A pair of doves could cost, listen to this, a pair of doves could cost as much as 15 times the price charged for them outside the temple. They charge 15 times as much. One Bible scholar says, There was every danger of shameless exploitation of poor and humble pilgrims, and it was that exploitation which raised the wrath of Jesus. Honey, I hope you got all this because I'm going to test you on it at lunchtime. So, in Matthew 21, verse 12, when we read of Jesus driving out the people who were buying and selling animals for sacrifice, and he's knocking over the tables of the money changers, Jesus, Jesus was sending this message. And the message was and is, treat people honestly and fairly. 
His message was, do not take advantage of people. Do not rip off people. Let's think about ourselves as to how this truth might apply to us, to you and me. Parents, parents, are you and I treating our own children fairly? In the Bible, we have some examples of some parents who showed favoritism towards a particular child in their family, and it caused nothing but problems. Parents, when you are, when we are preparing, preparing our will, W-I-L-L, and I want to encourage everyone to have a will. Trust me, it will save you and your family a lot of unnecessary headaches. When you're preparing your will, try hard, try hard to, to be fair to all your children and grandchildren. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean every child will be given or should be given the same amount in your will. I'm not saying that. But ask yourself the question, is there any way, is there any way I can write this will so that even if my kids and grandkids read it right now, they will say, dad, mom, or, or, or grandma, grandpa, they are being very fair with all of us. Amen? Folks, I'm trying to prevent unnecessary problems in your family. In, in, the, act, in the act of Jesus clearing out the temple... He was teaching us to not take advantage of people. Parents, parents, not often, but occasionally some parents take advantage of a son or daughter that is extra cooperative, extra cooperative at home by perhaps placing too many household demands on him or her. By the way, no, no one has complained to me recently, so don't feel like I'm addressing someone you know, from the pulpit. I, I talk to people individually about these things when necessary. Okay, But usually it's not a problem, but sometimes, sometimes that child might grow, might grow up feeling used even though that was never your intention. Just be careful. Children and young people, children and young people, do you sometimes, do you sometimes take advantage of your mother or your father's goodness? Hmm? Some young people, or even some young adults, some young people expect their parents to drive them everywhere. Young people, your, your parents are not your personal taxi service. Young people, especially during the daytime when it's generally safe, take the TTC and don't demand that your parents drive you everywhere. Is there an amen in the house? By the way, no parents asked me to preach on this. Just happened to come up in this point. If you are an employer, if you are an employer, treat your employees fairly and do not take advantage of your workers. As I was thinking, as I was thinking about this truth, I had to ask myself as well. I asked myself, are we, are we treating any employee or any volunteer in our church fairly? 
My friends, the bottom line is, the bottom line is, Jesus wants you and me to treat people honestly and fairly. Do not take advantage of people. Do not rip off anyone. Amen? So here we are, my friends. Just two very significant truths. I believe they are tremendous truths that we learn from Jesus in the last week of his journey on earth before the resurrection. Be courageous and treat people honestly and fairly. Are you and I living out these truths? Let's make a choice, a decision to do so. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these tremendous truths that we, we are gripped by, or at least certainly I am gripped by as I, as I read of Jesus going into Jerusalem and then cleansing the temple. And Lord, I pray that you, you will use these truths to inspire those amongst us who need to be inspired to be courageous. For some, Lord, maybe some, someone needs to take a little step of courage or a mid-sized step of courage or a, a big leap of courage. And some, Lord, need to make that step of courage to dedicate their lives to you and say, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my life. And then, Lord, we are all reminded of this second tremendous truth that Jesus teaches us about being fair with everyone, not to rip people off. Correct us, Lord, correct us, whether we are a man, a woman, or a young person, or even a child. Correct us where we need to be corrected so that we better honor you and please you and live our lives the way you want us to live. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.